Ready? Good morning, this is State of the Arts NYC and this is your host, Savannah Bailey McLean. Today we have a very special filmmaker. In our studio today we have Andreas Caballero, who is joining us today with his publicist Brian. And they are going to be talking with us about his new documentary the interpreters. So I just wanted to say thank you for joining us with us today, Andreas. How are you? Good. Thanks for having us, Savannah. You're welcome. And so we're going to now um, just introduce him a little bit to our audience, Andreas. He's 32 years old, and he is a producer. Uh, he's done a lot of producing for NPR and uh, several programs, in fact, for NPR. He also used to be a producer for StoryCorp, correct? And um, it was with StoryCorp that he decided to do some coverage. Um, it started with Military Voices, and then it blossomed from Military Voices to something far more in-depth. Now, his um, documentary, which is going to premiere on Tuesday, November 13th, as a part of DOC, NYC is going to focus on Iraqi and Afghan, Afghan interpreters who helped U.S. military forces as they were dealing with, you know, um, the Taliban and other insurgency groups. And so he's going to share with us how did this really, you know, evolved from his first series so that we can learn more about this issue because it's kind of a heartbreaking issue about these interpreters who've served us but now are having trouble entering our country as, um, you know, really patriots in many ways and how they're being threatened and their families are being threatened by the various people they were helping us fight. So Andreas, thank you for coming into the studio, first of all. It's good to be here, thank you. Great, so tell us now, how did this all begin for you? So as you mentioned, I was producing a story, uh, actually a series called the Military Voices Initiative for StoryCorps, um, which is, airs on uh, National Public Radio. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also one of the largest uh, archives of human voices in oh. the country. Um, and so, 
I was, you know, I came across a story of uh, one of our characters in the film. His name is, his pseudonym is Philip Morris. They give him pseudonyms because they wanted to protect their identities on the battlefield. Um, and it was about his friendship with uh, Sergeant Paul Braun from Minnesota. Um, and, you know, that piece that I did for StoryCorps sort of evolved into another idea, which was to do a feature-length documentary um, about interpreters um, but you know we knew that it couldn't just be a success story like the one of Philip and, and Paul uh, Paul the soldier who moves mountains to get uh, the interpreter he worked with in Iraq to safety in the United States um, the reality was that there were thousands and thousands of other interpreters per perhaps most of the interpreters who work with US forces um, a total of about 50,000 or so are still um, you know only a handful were able to make it to safety most of them were still outside waiting for their visas they were promised um, in hiding uh, many had left as refugees to Europe mm. this is you know becoming a consistent problem in our country that we are kind of failing these various people who have this particular view about America being the home of the brave and the free but it's really a country that's kind of using people to benefit our politics or um, our philosophy or really for corporations so they can, you know, uh, penetrate markets. And then these people who sacrifice their lives and their families' lives are just left behind uh, being told to fill out a form. I mean, that's almost ridiculous, you know. Fill out a form and we'll get to you whenever we get to you and hopefully you'll still be alive when, you know, we find the time to get to you. Yeah, I think um, when a country decides to invade another by force, I don't think peop the, the people who actually make these decisions really understand or take into account right um you know the complexity and and the 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 power of the impact that that can have on people's lives and it's a ripple effect right um the interpreters are just one of these groups who of people who are suffering the consequences of this decision to go to war now we could have that conversation about you know whether or not it was a good idea to enter these wars i think many documentaries have been done specifically analyzing that what we wanted to focus on more was this this group of interpreters, mm -hmm. these people who believed that, um, that took our word, that we were going there to, to improve the situation in their countries, mm -hmm. to make things better, and in the end, when you look back, um, the wars are still happening, mm -hmm. and with tragic results, um, refugees uh, who had, had have had to leave um, uh, and fleeing violence are also the e economic downturns that these countries are experiencing now. Um, and so we focus on how this group of people, interpreters and their families, how they're trying to rebuild their lives. This is so sad because this is not about immigration. And I know you've covered immigration as well, correct? Yeah. But isn't this all turning into a refugee crisis, not an immigration problem? Yeah, and you could argue that, you know, that is linked to immigration. Um, some have talked about involuntary migration rather than voluntary. Um, in this case, you know, it's urgent. These people c gave up the right to live in their own country for believing in the cause that uh, even more than many of our soldiers did. And now they're facing these consequences. And when they were promised visas as part of this program that was designed to get them to safety called the Special Immigrant Visa Program, 
and the program is not functioning the way that it's supposed to, right. by law it's supposed to take nine months for these interpreters to get to safety, to get a visa. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in reality, it's taking an average of four years or more. Wow. Some of our, our the guys we filmed with have been waiting um, for four to ten years, um, which is unacceptable and it raises this question of the moral responsibility that we have as a country uh, to these people who believed in our mission more than we did and really our show is about the arts it's not about politics but the arts is being used to help shape this debate because it really is a debate about how we should treat people how we should even view people in the first place and tell us, how did you um, shape this sort of important story by using film and audio to, you know, get this across to all of us? Sure. So the challenge was, you know, going into the film, when we were beginning, um, we had already missed a big chunk of, of our, our main character's narrative. So we had to think of ways to kind of fill that gap and mm-hmm. still be able to tell the story. And at, at the same time, make sure we were able to follow him. Um, the main character in our film, Philip Morris, had to, he had already come to safety, but he had to go back to bring his family, to do his family's paperwork which took, uh, you know, it, it had to go through the bureaucracy and the lengthy process. So anyways, from, an, uh, from a filmmaking standpoint, we ended up u- using, it, it, it is somewhat of a conventional approach. We have sit-downs, okay. sit-down interviews, but we decided to really do this from the perspective of interpreters themselves rather than all these talking heads or politicians. You know, we had interviews with, you know, senators like McCain who were at the forefront of this issue. That didn't make it on, on the cut. We really stuck to the interpreters themselves. We wanted people to feel kind of you know what it is like to wait in limbo so did you like walk with them uh, in these countries which yeah so we went to Afghanistan Mm -hmm. Uh, we were there for about a month um, and we met with many interpreters and a lot of the, the challenges as well was we had to film indoors they were in hiding we couldn't you know attract attention um, one of them was moving houses every other week because of you know the threats against him and his family um, and so we also used um, we gave some of them one of them a camera mm-hmm. when when Philip Morris went back to to get his family he had to go through areas that were controlled by ISIS and so we had mm-hmm. to give him cameras um, without playback um, uh, you know, capa- capability so that for his safety and, and think all these things out. So in the end, the movie ends up being uh, a, a, com- a combination of archival footage, okay. um, also our own, you know, highly produced footage, and then also cell phone footage um, yeah. from these interpreters. So that, it, that, it, that the challenge was really how, how are we going to have these elements come together aesthetically um, and, and, and in the end um, we, we think we were able to, to make that happen um, in order to get and interweave all these three different stories was, which in, in the edit room which was also a challenging process because the locations are different you know we have Iraq, Afghanistan, Minnesota Wow. Um, New York, so uh, that was definitely a challenge. But we we had a great editors working with us, uh, Francisco Bello and and Fabian Caballero, um, who who help us interweave the stories. So you want people to feel an urgency, correct? Yes. And that we should be more caring about these people who sacrificed their lives, and that they're really patriots, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's important. I think uh, we're living in a time where there's so much that's going on that people are forgetting about these two wars um, and the impact that it's still having on people's lives today, interpreters being one group of them. The bigger picture being, you know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of refugees. Yeah. This is more than about interpreters. There are a lot of people who have fled war um, and, 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 still are. and still are, and we are not... A lot. We're not moving things fast enough. In fact, we're closing our doors. Um, just for interpreters themselves, um, in the past year, or since since the last election, um, the granting of special immigrant visas for in- interpreters and other refugees has decreased dramatically. Um, there have been systems in place that are, are slowing down the process with extreme vetting rather than um, actually speeding it up. And in the meantime, people are dying. What do you think, because, I mean, we all hear the the rhetoric every day um, from our nation's capital, and it's very sad to hear some of this rhetoric because it seems like um, our new uh, president doesn't seem to empathize with anyone um, that may be of color because these people are, uh, you're talking about a mixture of people who are Asian, who might... Uh, believe in Islam, who might believe in Buddhism, um, and uh, they have different, you know, color use, and folks have this stereotype about these people from Afghanistan, which is really an Asian uh, country, and um, tell us what has been your experience with these people, because I don't think they understand the people, and I think you've had now time to spend with these people and what do you want people in our country to understand about these folks yeah i think you know going back to to the very toxic rhetoric that we've we've been hearing around immigration there's always you know history shows all the examples when immigrants have been scapegoated for um whatever reasons um and that's what's happening today again perhaps in a more pronounced way um and and you know the fact is that these interpreters like many other immigrants who are fleeing violence uh you know war or um, economic hardship um, they're trying to find a, a better day, and, um, and 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 we're making it harder. We're demonizing them. Um, I think that uh, that when you actually, you know, we were able to capture the way that th- the s- the stories of these interpreters from Afghanistan, from Iraq, um, particularly to to Philip Morris, I think. By watching this, you can see the way that he integrates to society. He has two or three jobs. He's trying to to do the right things, you know. He's trying to to improve his financial situation for him, for his family. Um, So, you know, it is quite different. The reality that is that the contribution that the immigrants um, bring, not just economically but culturally, um, to to our society, is is far different um, than what it looks like. when you when you watch these politicians and listen to the rhetoric and and talk about that culturally because a lot of people don't realize that many of these folks they have very close-knit families and they really care about each other um, deeply and that sense of family is so beautiful to watch at times and I think sometimes we're missing that in this country that sense of family where people really like and care about each other and they share their gifts and talents 
Can you elaborate a little bit? Were you able to witness some of this? Absolutely, yeah. Just, um, you know, uh, the fact is that this community, they, they do, they support each other. Um, you know, Muslim American community, um, like many others in, in the U.S. Um, and, you know, in the same way, uh, I think just the fact that they have gone through everything they've gone through to get here, I think that is a sign of how much they care about their families. Um, if if the life lottery would have been different for us um, and we were in their shoes, then we would also do our best to get our families out of there and, and bring them with us to this country. Um, and so they, you know, in the, in, the, in the process, sometimes you lose. There are tragic stories and um, I couldn't fathom being in their, their position um, and I'm doing everything for, uh, for my family um, and then having the doors close of you know the country that I actually helped um, at one point, um, and so you know yes when they arrive they're, they're, um, the communities are amazing highly philanthropic um, and and they they do really care about family and and that comes off when you spend time with them. Okay, and when I hear their stories, now it it, it mirrors other stories from people coming from Central and South America because now you're hearing about the migrants who are coming um, across Central America and South America to come to our borders and to the thousands of people or you have those who are fleeing on boats you know from Haiti or those coming from Africa risking their lives to get to Europe these stories they're they're pretty much all the same aren't they yeah, I think you could draw that parallel. Um, I think interpreters are just one group um, we, that we focus on in this film, but the the, the ripple effects um, of what's you know other things that are happening, especially when you look back into U.S. policy in different parts of the world, you will often find a link um, that is is the cause of a reaction. Um, and and in the end, at the end of the day, all all everybody who's trying to come here, there is a there is a reason, um, and and it's a reaction that we should we should it should make us look towards the root causes of what it is that we're doing or not doing, that is, and and, and whatever that is, are we making it things better or worse for them? Right, and and I think um, that's the real benefit of looking at documentaries, just looking at it as an art form. Um, it allows you that moment to see something that you may not see on, you know, national network news, and you get to hear voices you would not otherwise get a chance to hear, and then you can feel, as opposed to just being spoon-fed what somebody else wants you to understand. And there was a lot of risk that you took as well and your crew, correct, to tell the story. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, we had to go, we went to Afghanistan. Um, there were a lot of logistics involved because the situation security-wise is getting worse by the day. Even f two years ago from when we were there last till now, um, things have gone really, really bad. Um, I have some colleagues, uh, some journalists who have just arrived from there, and, and it's it's quite different. So, um, sure, there was a there was a risk, but I, I wouldn't even compare it to, to the risk that these, these this group of people who we were following, um, are taking um, and just to to get to safety well I just want to say thank you for coming and sharing with us um, 
your story, how you made this film. And um, this is the first time you're going to be in Doc NYC, correct? Yep, this is uh, the first time. It's our second film with my co-director, Sofian Khan, who also shot the film. Um, but it's our first one that we get to, to show at Doc NYC, and we're really excited about it. You should be, because Doc NYC has become a real popular film festival. I mean, very quickly. And that's because of the quality of the documentaries that they are presenting. I have to give it to IFC. They really have done a magnificent job in putting together this film festival that has actually grown over the years very quickly. Great reputation, highly sought after. Uh, I know New Yorkers love their panel discussions, but what's starting to happen is that New Yorkers are liking these documentaries too. And they feel that this is giving you a real truth that we would not, you know, normally get to experience. And uh, I just saw a screening yesterday for another film that I'm hoping to meet the subject of that particular documentary. So I think this is great that you are a young person who is, you know, out there giving great, you know, stories for us to listen to and then we can share that with our various audiences and encourage them to go out and to see this uh, documentary. So tell us again, when is your documentary going to premiere? Sure. Um, so the main screening is going to be at the IFC uh, in, in Manhattan, New York. Uh, that's the one on West 3rd Street. That's right. Great. Uh, and it's going to be on the 13th which okay. is a Tuesday, on November. November the 13th, which is a Tuesday, uh, I believe, around 5.30 p.m. This is great. So uh, folks can go to the website, to IFC uh, or DocNYC, and then they can go and, um, if they're interested, they can sign up and register to see this uh, film festival. All right. So thank you so much, Andreas, for joining us. It was a pleasure getting a chance to meet you. And we wish you all the very best. Thanks so much for having us on the show. All right. And so here we are. We're about to end our segment. And we hope that all of our audience will pay attention, support Andreas and his uh, documentary, The Interpreters. Thank you.